0: This is a podcast by The Straits Times. Hello, you're listening to Any Opinion, and I'm Linda Hong, ST's Assistant Podcast Editor. In this special, we're going to look at Budget 2024. Titled Building Our Shared Future Together, Budget 2024 was delivered by Deputy Prime Minister and Finance Minister Lawrence Wong in Parliament yesterday, on February 16, 2024. We'll find out more about the impact of the budget on the youth in Singapore. For that, we have Shirley Ng, Young Leader of Creative Media Publishing Union, which is affiliated to NTUC. She's 35 and she works as a video producer and is a mother of two young children. Welcome to the show, Sherlyn.
1: Hi, a very nice opportunity for us to meet you and Jot. Okay, and
0: also in the studio, we have Jod Gill. He's a Global Employer Services Partner at Deloitte Singapore. Welcome to the show, Jod.
2: Thank you. Yeah, delighted to be here, especially after such an eventful budget that, that was announced earlier today.
0: Yes, and let's talk about some of the things that we have seen in the budget. Sherlyn, which part of the budget announcement
1: stood out most for you? Mm, I think the ones that I'm quite interested with is actually for the youth upskilling efforts. Yeah, It's something that encourages the youth to upskill themselves more and also to motivate them to learn more for their career in the future.
0: Okay, and as we were saying, Singaporean workers above age 40 are getting quite a bit of perks to go for rescaling. With the Skills Future Level Up program, $4,000 would be topped up in their Skills Future account in May 2024. And they can choose to do elected training programs. These could be part-time and full-time diplomas, post-diplomas, undergraduate programs and progressive wage model sector courses. But in a fast-changing world, are there more people wanting to
1: level up in their early third? Sherlin, what are your views? Mm, I personally feel it's very, it's very good to allow 30s um, youth or even like adults, young adults like myself to be able to upskill ourselves. Because, for example, like um, if I were to have a mid-career switch for my current career, for example, I would use this to give me the opportunity to experience, to gain more exposure before I actually change a new job. And George, do you think that, you know, the 30s should actually be given an
0: opportunity to be part of this programme?
2: I think so. And I, I think we may see that in future budgets because I think this top up is very generous. I think it will be very welcome and it will drive significant positive outcomes for Singaporeans that can participate in this programme. We saw the Deputy Prime Minister talk about Singapore's efforts to attract R&D, innovation, um, these well-paying jobs for our citizens in the future. That need to switch mid career or that desire for some Singaporeans to do that, it's, you know, it's perfectly understandable why we had to pick a line in the sand. And, you know, 40 is as good as any age, I guess, to kind of for the government to pick. But I think there will be significant demand and significant clamor for this to be extended to earlier age groups. So, you know, you would think at least 30 onwards, there will be people in that same bucket who will feel I may need to reskill to maybe a tech sector role or other roles where there might be more opportunity to get career advancement in the future. And I think connected to that, I think there's also the lapsing of course fees relief, which will come into effect from YA26, which theoretically that group, that sandwich group, if we call them, could access into YA26 to get some relief for course fees in terms of that reskilling piece. But they won't be able to access that after YA26, from YA26 onwards. So I think, again, that will will increase the demand to bring this very generous benefit, I think, to younger Singaporeans. And as they say, you know, 30 is the new 40, right? So... (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> but Charlen then what about for you you're 35 this year what are your friends talking about when they are thinking about rescaling
1: then mm, for me I personally feel especially for moms young mothers when they have their children they start to stop their career their work so they quit their job and they went back to focus on taking care of the child so after a few years later I think one obstacles that they feel it's uncomfortable for them it's actually they are not ready to step on into a career, into a job because they are not familiar with the current environment or even they are not within their comfort zone because they haven't been out in a society. So it's something that it will be good for them to upskill themselves, reskill themselves first before they step into this uh, career in the future. And George, do you think that there's actually, you
0: know, we've spoken about how there's actually room for rescaling and drawing the line in the sand for the 40s. But do you think there will be an impact if we were to give the younger workers a chance to take part in this as well?
2: I think it's it's always very difficult to balance priorities because there are so many there are so many needs and so many groups that would ask the government for support so it, ultimately th- there's always a prioritization of needs and so I think it's understandable why We've started at 40. Clearly, there would be a cost attached if the scheme was extended to, say, 30 or to 25. But I think if we look at the budget from a wider context, it was all, for me, about preparing Singapore for the opportunities and the challenges that will come through in the future. So if you look at it through that lens, I think it would be a very worthwhile investment for us to spend that money and to make it available. And I think it would also be very welcome from employers because... What we find, I think, you know, from an organizational perspective is when mature individuals, people with experience of being in the workforce redeploy and they come in, they come with a much wider skill set that can be very valuable for employers because, you know, it's it's a very different mindset that you're bringing in compared to a graduate or or a new entrant into the workforce. So I think that could be very powerful to help Singapore add value and to remain here in Asia-Pac to enhance the competitive advantage that we currently have. But I think it's it's really important. It is, it's clearly top of mind as well for the government, where we heard the deputy PM talking about, you know, yes, maybe we have been ahead, but everybody's trying to catch up and everybody's is coming through, you know, with similar schemes and similar programs to try and attract the large employers, to try and attract the the most talented individuals into their countries.
0: Another topic that DPM Wong talked about during the budget was housing. And there's also the open market voucher under the Parenthood Provisional Housing Scheme. Under this scheme, couples waiting for their built-to-order homes to be completed will now get financial support from the government to rent HDB flats from the open market. So, Sherlyn, being from a young family and you would likely have friends who are perhaps waiting for BTOs. What are your thoughts on this and
1: how would this scheme help young couples? Surrounding me, I have like uh, colleagues, young colleagues, and even like young friends that is working towards getting a BTO after they start their relationship and they are actually looking to uh, rent a house to stay for quite a few years while waiting for their BTOs to come. So this is actually quite a good encouragement and help support for the younger couples when they are waiting for their BTOs to come and help them to start their family. Any comments on that announcement?
2: I think it would be very well received, particularly from that demographic in terms of, I think, The Deputy Prime Minister alluded to, you know, helping younger families where, you know, clearly there are many benefits of living in multi-generational families. But to make it easier for them to start that process of, you know, building their own nests and and moving out and and giving families space and, and reducing, you know, tension or stress where that may be there. So I think it would be very welcome.
0: More perks for young families. The monthly childcare fee limits in preschools supported by government funding will be reduced in 2025 to $640 for anchor operators and $680 for partner operators. And that's before childcare subsidies. Sherlin, personal question. Is that enough for you to consider having a third child?
1: For me personally, of course I would love to have, but... Due to the living expenses, I think this is something that uh, most of the couples will think twice. And in these current years, I think we, we prefer to stop at two. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, with the support on the monthly childcare fees, this is quite a big help for us, really. Yeah. Because the child will start from infant care to their K-2 kindergarten. So, this is actually... Six years of education and the cost of living for education is not low. It's actually pretty high, because there are other forms of costs involved as well. Yes.
0: Okay. Yeah. And do you, do you see this announcements in the monthly childcare fee as indicative of inflation? Seems like it's quite a lot to do with. Sounds like it. Sounds like quite a bit of a subsidy, isn't it?
2: I think so. I think, you know, education costs, childcare costs are are very significant, particularly for young families that may not be as advanced in their careers in order to to fund those costs. So I, I think it would be very, very welcome. Now, whether it's enough, I mean, going back to your question, remains to be seen. We look at, you know, Singapore's birth rate, which has been a topic of conversation for a very long time. But last year, it was the lowest on record. So 1.05 children per Singaporean mother, shall we say, in, in, in terms of that. And, you know, that, that birth rate will bring issues for us as a country at a certain point in the future. Um, and so maybe in future governments, so in future budgets, uh, the government may feel that they have to go further to encourage to, to maybe have that third child, right?
0: <laughs> okay. What about support for cost of living measures like CDC vouchers,
1: you save rebates? Is that enough to cope with current inflation? For CDC vouchers, I think I've seen quite a lot of people using it, even in the hawkers and even supermarkets. I think this is a very good support for elderlies as well as lower income families because they, they needed this for their daily expenses like grocery. And also the daily meals that they can easily purchase within just the hawker center itself. Yeah. Or even like some of the shopping malls, I think they did ask, oh, we accept CDC. Do you want to pay with this? So I think it's quite easily assessed and we can use it anywhere we want. Yeah. So the more the merrier for everyone. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but what are your thoughts on this, George? Do you think that you know inflation we've seen? It spiked last year, and incomes have also not been rising fast enough to meet that inflation that we have seen last year. So, do you think that you know coming up with more CDC vouchers is that indicative of something higher inflation, perhaps?
2: It, it was interesting, wasn't it, when the deputy prime minister I thought was very transparent around the impact that inflation has had. So, we look at in twenty twenty two, it was four point one percent. Last year, twenty three, it rose slightly to 4.2%. And the outlook that was set out today and, and previously is for 2024 for that to land at 25 to 3.5%, which is a slight moderation of inflation. But ultimately, that still means prices are going to go up slightly and, and maybe slightly lower than before, but they're still going up. So I think the CDC vouchers and the various other measures that, that were announced uh, will be very welcome. The CDC voucher particularly, I think, was was very popular. That was announced last September. And this enhanced assurance package, I think the cost attached to that is $1.9 billion. So it's not insignificant, right, in terms of the support being provided. There were also other measures that will help with the cost of living that may have crept through. And that was the personal tax rebate which we've not seen for a number of years here in Singapore. So a $200 Singapore dollar tax rebate maximum cap, so 50% up to $200, that, that would be very helpful. And then also the increase in thresholds to be eligible for dependent relief. So if your spouse now earns up to $8,000, or let's say if your grandparent lives in the same family and they're helping with, with care relief, and they earn up to $8,000, they are now eligible. So you are now eligible to claim reliefs for them as well. So every little helps, right? I think you put all of these together, they will have a meaningful impact for, you know, the average Singaporean on the street, so to speak. The The real question, though, will be, will the projections that, that have been set out, will this play out as the government expects? Because... What we can't plan for are the wider shocks in the world that could impact these estimates. So, and I think that, you know, the Deputy Prime Minister spoke about nobody expected the issues we're seeing in the Middle East. Nobody, as in to flare up to the level that they have and the impact that's had on inflation and and pretty much everything else globally at this moment in time. And then also we go back a couple of years and the issues in Ukraine – and, and with Russia as well. And we are likely to see more of these impacts in the coming years, because as the Deputy Prime Minister said, out, it's increasingly a more fragmented world, maybe a more violent world that that we'll be living in. And so, I mean, one of the positives is that that Singapore is maybe more resilient than maybe other economies to be able to withstand some of these pressures that will come through in the years to come.
0: Mm, okay. Another significant announcement was that the ITE graduates will get $5,000 when enrolling for a diploma and $10,000 CPF top-up after attaining it. So in that sense, do you think that the ITE graduates needed that push going forward for them to go and do diplomas?
2: I think the context here is is very important in that the, the ITE has come a long way since its inception in 1992, I think. But there still may be some stereotypes regarding ITE graduates that come through that mode of study versus polys and versus universities. So I think it was very clear that the Deputy Prime Minister was trying to provide encouragement and support and to ensure that there wasn't perceived to be a gap in terms of graduates that are entering the workforce from the ite route versus the the other routes that that I just mentioned and also I think it's really important for us as a society and also from an economic perspective that we value a very diverse range of skills that we all need um, to help build a stronger and, and thriving Singapore and and personally I mean I was I was quite I, I wouldn't say shocked I mean I, I would say you know the, the the, the quantums were very significant that were mentioned, and I think are going to make very meaningful differences I may encourage people, right, in terms of the IT route, which is probably what this was designed to do. So I, I think it will be seen very positively.
0: And, Sherlin, any words from you about IT graduates getting the top ups? Mm,
1: I think it's, I agree with Jod, it's very, um, good encouragement for the IT students and even for young NTC itself we did encourage IT a lot as well like or even other campus like uh, police as well so we do run road shows with them we do um, have like some um, touring sessions or even like uh, inviting them to uh, join some of the young NTC events so through this it also, helps to encourage the IT students to pursue further in their studies like uh, in the police. And also when they even got a job in the future after the, getting the diploma, they even got the purpose of the CPF, which I think even for ourselves, we also would love to have it as so, well. Yeah, but I personally feel uh, it's quite a good encouragement for everyone to, even if my, our kids are also from ITs, I think this is a good start for the children to going further. Mm. Thanks, Charlene, for coming on to
0: our show to share your immediate reactions to Budget 2024. Thank you for inviting us today. (laughs) And uh, thank you, George, for your insights.
2: Thank you. It's been fun.
0: Well, that's a wrap for In Your Opinion. I'm Linda Hong. You can email us your thoughts on this issue. If you'd like to read more of ST's Budget 2024 coverage and opinion columns, the link is in our podcast show notes. Thanks for listening. Send your feedback to podcast at sph.com.sg. Find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or within our Straits Times app. Thanks for listening.